All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. Thank you for joining us. I am Jason Napolitano, and on the line, as we have the pleasure of speaking to each week, is Mr. Chris Sheridan. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great today. It's a great day. It is a great day. It's a cold day. And I don't want to dwell too much on, on the weather like we did uh, yeah. last week, but, but it is a little cold, and it's a little disconcerting. I had to break out a jacket. Don't, don't like to don't like to break out the jackets. So wow, long sleeves and everything. Yeah, long sleeves. And Sorry for people man. in the rest of the world. We live in the desert southwest, <laughs> One, uh, although in different locales, but still but relatively still warm. warm year exactly. round. Yeah. So. so, so we have to put on a jacket. It's a great inconvenience. I don't care that that you're getting freezing rain and it's 25 below zero. I have to put on a jacket. Damn it! And I'm I'm annoyed. So there you go. Well, the good thing is we now have snow in the same mountain that had fire like a month ago. Jeez. So crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, that's actually a good sign because it means you guys have some moisture and it's going to hopefully soak in and, you know, prevent these, these fires in the future. That's our, that's our, that's our sincere hope. There was more than a twin flame. There was a lot of flame. Oh, there was plenty. And lead, <laughs> yeah. so that leads us yeah. into our topic of our show today, which is, the concept of soulmates and twin flames. So we are actually uh, looking at uh, the book by Elizabeth Clare Prophet called Soulmates and Twin Flames, The Spiritual Dimension of Love and Relationships. Now, I have been seeing this concept of twin flames in social media and even hearing about it and, you know, in, in regular media and, and popular with popular new age uh, readers and writers and or, excuse me, uh, teachers and writers uh, for for a couple of years now. And to be honest with you, I had really no idea where it came from. Uh, I knew you know, I get the basic idea. I get the gist of it, uh, but I didn't really know where it came from. So I was I was kind of curious and I talked to Chris about it and we decided to do a show on this. Uh, and we're going to delve into tell this idea. So you're probably familiar with the idea of twin flames. You've probably seen it on social media or heard about it from your friends or heard about it in some new age lecture or something, but you may or may not know where it came from. I may not may or may not know exactly where it came from, but I'm going to give you my ideas and where it, I'm pretty sure it came from uh, as far as I can tell in my cursory research. So uh, so we're going to get into that. Uh, like I said, thank you for joining us. We're here each week on Sunday, and uh, we appreciate you guys being here. Uh, I have a book called If You Can Worry, You Can Meditate. Chris has a book called The Spirit in the Sky. If you'd like to donate to the show, we're at anchor.f, excuse me, anchor.fm slash cosmic eye, and you can do so there. Uh, so we got all that out of the way. Let us jump into Soulmates and Twin Flames. So basically, as far as I can tell, uh, this idea is is i i'm pretty sure it originated with elizabeth claire prophet at least the the elucidation of the, the the term twin flames and its kind of importance in the spiritual development of a person and so on uh so this book came from the one that i have soul flame soulmates and twin flames is from 1999 but I'm assuming that it comes from some of their earlier material because they have something like 60 or 70 books. So Elizabeth Clare Prophet was married to a gentleman called Mark Prophet, who was a member of this group called the I Am Movement in Chicago. And I had heard of that, and you may be familiar with it. I Am put out a lot of information about uh, St. Germain and the Ascended Masters. 
they drew that information from theosophy and from Blavatsky's writings and teachings and the various theosophical literature that came out. Uh, so St. Germain was one of the ascended masters and there's, there's many others. Um, and these, the idea is that these ascended masters are almost, they're like these immortal individuals uh, that walk among us and teach us and so on. And, you know, Manley Hall actually wrote about St. Germain pretty extensively and talks about him in the secret teachings. And there's, he has a whole book on St. Germain, doesn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. A series of lectures. A series it's of actually lectures. the very first <laughs> giant color plate in the secret teachings of all ages. It's the oh, frontispiece. I had forgotten that. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, which mean, meaning it's in a very prominent yeah. position in a very large book. Um, and that's not without reason. So. No, and, and that ties into some of the ideas with, um, you know, some of the history of the United States and the Rosicrucians. And he, you know, I think there's some some idea that he was actually at the signing of the Declaration of Independence and, and some of these different different thoughts that are in um, his Secret History of America book, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, so anyway, this idea, this St. Germain idea is something that, um, that was very prominent in the 20s, 30s, uh, very popular among theosophists and offshoot movements. Uh, this I am movement, I think, uh, is probably some of, it's probably the, where the seeds for this twin flame idea developed. The oldest sort of written history of it and its actual um, ancient history goes back to Plato's Symposium. Um, and this idea of this the sort of circular nature of the soul, and it has a male and female half, and then there's also some, there's a tale of uh, actually physical creatures breaking away from that, and that created men and women, and so on, and there's various interpretations of this. So this twin flame idea is essentially that sort of platonic uh, metaphor or analogy for the soul uh, made manifest in human beings. So her... And again, please correct me if I'm if I'm getting this wrong and you know more about it. We're still learning uh, is that we are born from God as a whole spiritual being. It's it's a white light monad, I think, is the term that she uses, something like this. Um, and it breaks into two halves. One half is masculine and one half is feminine. And these halves go about lifetimes experiencing different things in different ways and accumulating and dealing with them as time goes on and at times they meet each other and at times they're apart from each other. Um, so that's kind of the basic premise of it. So this book is kind of, is, is sort of outlining how you can find your twin flame basically. Now this, this material then was really developed in Elizabeth Prophet's church which she developed after her husband passed away. So his, his church that he developed was called Summit, Summit Lighthouse. And he founded that in 1958. After he died in 1975, she founded what's, what was called the Church Universal and Triumphant. And it actually became pretty large in the 80s. And I've actually seen some footage, and I remembered this after uh, after seeing it online. She was on Oprah, she was on Larry King Live, she was on Donahue, she was on Nightline. Her kids were on shows. Uh, they even did an episode where she was on uh, where she was on uh, In Search of, and she was talking about Saint Germain and the Ascended Masters in that one. 
so she was pretty well known. It, what happened was this church was growing and it's still actually fairly popular. They have an online presence now where they offer uh, classes online and so on. And there's like an Ascension plan and all these different ways you can be involved with it and so on. Uh, it's, it seems like it's mainly online now, but they had an actual church out in Montana and they started moving in a sort of direction where they felt the end of the earth was coming. Oftentimes these religious movements had there, unfortunately, and they were preparing for that and they were making a bunker. And apparently uh, there was some sort of weapons issues with some of the people uh, in the group. And there was some sort of, there was some sort of accident where some diesel fuel leaked into the environment and they were held responsible for that. And there was a bunch of stuff. And then actually shortly after this, a few years after this, she actually was, uh, uh, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's unfortunately. And she, she lived for another, looks like another 15 years or something with Alzheimer's and then passed away. Um, but this work was actually was actually very influential in the early 80s and, and 90s. And I was really honestly not that aware of this particular branch. I had heard about her and I've seen her books. I mean, they have they have many, many books. And I guarantee you, if you saw one of them, uh, you would you would rec- you would go. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that at the local New Age bookstore because they still sell very, very well. Um, so I mean that's that's kind of a brief a brief history of this. Uh, am I leaving anything out? Because we talked a little bit about this about this before we we got on. Am I missing any main points in this that 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 the that the listener can't remember if I've I've hit about everything? Uh, no, there's not. That's way more than I All know. Right. All right, just All right. so, so far. So uh, yeah, and if you if it comes to you know pick it up as as we go on. But I you know personally, it's uh, a name when I got involved in you know, very interested anyway in, in new age and metaphysics in the eighties. Um, it was definitely a name you would know. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get into her stuff. It seemed like a lot of girl stuff and love and relationships and yada, yada. I wasn't all that interested sure. in at the time. But you were in a band uh, and uh, you didn't have any time know, for that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Come on. It was, not, it was, it was the eighties. A, a whole different yeah. world. Yeah. Was. <clears throat> yeah. Um, no. And, but I recognized her even then as somebody, Oh, just somebody who you sure. recognize as being maybe not a founder of the movement, but somebody who um, at least has a name. And by that, I mean, probably influenced more people to come. Absolutely. You know, these people in the 70s and the 80s, um, it's not just that they carried on maybe some of the older tradition. They uh, helped inspire. So if, for every Elizabeth Clare prophet, you know, there might be 10 other names, you know, that came down the pike later. Uh, that were influenced or maybe early on read um, her Absolutely. material. So, and I think uh, definitely recognized her as somebody who's, who's a play a leader in this. For field. sure. And I think that's what's so, what's so interesting about it because I did as well. I just didn't really know very much about her until I started kind of digging a bit once we, once we decided to, to take a look at this book, really what I find, I guess, so interesting about it is that uh, so much of what the new age is today and so much really of what people are sharing online and little bits of ideas here and there that they're gravitating towards and so forth. So much of it comes out of theosophy. It really is remarkable. And, um, you know, that's 
why it's kind of it's interesting to kind of chain these things back because when you look at the original material they come from it gives you such a bigger picture of what some of these ideas are about and what they're connected to and where they come from uh i think i think today it's pretty easy to just pick and choose little parts of things uh but it really can be it can be valuable to take some of these ideas and chain them back and understand kind of how they how they fit into the whole chain of of the of, of history of you know kind of religion in America and you know some of this this new age the new age movement where it came from and you know we we know how it kind of blossomed really in the 60s but all of this was you know from the late 1800s and early 1900s nearly all of it anything you know about tarot cards anything you know about magic anything you know about twin flames or soulmates uh this idea of the violent flame the ascended masters exactly all of this stuff has its seeds in in uh in this late 1800s early 1900s uh cultural activity that was going on that really to be perfectly honest and you know was was i mean the main the main sort of seed that planted all of this was theosophy and blavatsky you know and that's i think madame Madame blavatsky Blavatsky. and and manly hall knew that he he gave great credit to madame blavatsky and her ideas um in his early days and he kind of moved away from 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 some of her work but it always it would you know as he as he grew older but it always influenced it would you agree yeah as somebody who on a couple levels uh somebody who went out there and traveled the world as he did when he was in his his younger years um, to go see these people see these cultures talk to them meet them walk the land that, that they walk on uh and even harder for Blavatsky being a female in uh you know the 1800s uh, a lot of times she dressed as a man to get passage through some uh, you know, difficult countries uh, to seek this wisdom and then come back and write it, in, you know, in English and give it to, you know, a whole new generation of people in a way that they can, you know, pick it up and be interested and read this book. Um, and, uh, and as well as publications, mm-hmm. uh, it's one thing all these movements that also have in common is that they all did a lot of self-publication. Yeah, absolutely. You know, newsletters and pamphlets and booklets mm-hmm. and books, uh, lessons uh, were printed. So this, they all had printing presses in their offices, uh, and uh, as did mainly all. And there was a lot of uh, um, there was a lot of group work. Also, I think that's one of the things that uh, to, you know it's it's difficult right in in this moment to do group work. But I think certainly in general, group work is less emphasized these days because you know the internet and because of you know people's kind of. Uh, disconnection in some ways, uh, not necessarily, and, you know, antisocial sort of thing, but just people seem to be retre- retreating into their homes. I mean, especially lately, but even before that, I mean, we we're starting to become more and more isolated, getting kind of caught in this, this digital world. Um, but, you know, in those days it was, you know, you go to the lectures, you know, you show up for the, for the prayer sessions, you know, you, you go do the yoga sessions and so on. I mean, there, there still is some of that today, but it was, you know, you would join these movements. You would go out and volunteer to do things, you know, in theosophy, mm-hmm. you know, you know, about theosophy, I mean, in, in, in Los Angeles, I mean, it was huge. If you go up to uh, Los Feliz in the Hollywood Hills, I mean, they had a, they had a gigantic 
um, compound there. I mean, there was, hall, you know, there were places to sleep. There were halls for eating. There were halls for lectures. I mean, it was a, it was a, a garden. It's one of the reasons why they moved to Southern California is because of the year round weather that you can plant, uh, you know, herbs. Cause there was you know, some medicinal things, you know, uh, herbs, things that they could grow that they could only grow in limited quantities, yeah. you know, in certain parts, times of the year back East. Uh, but yeah. And, and, just for people who don't know this location, it's actually on Beechwood, which is the road that goes to the Hollywood sign. It's in every commercial when you look up a street and it, you know, oh, and then there's a Hollywood sign up there. That's Beechwood. That's literally, that's where the uh, Theosophy uh, compound, I guess it were, a series of buildings were. Well, I think uh, one of the few buildings yeah, left is that Besant, the Be- Annie Besant Lodge that's actually on Beechwood. Yes. Um, it's like a small chapel. Uh, well, one and the living quarters are now an apartment complex, uh, which, is above, which is above, which is above, right? Repurposed. The, yeah. Yeah. It's oh, past it's past the, it. It's on the, the yeah, lodge. Right. It's not. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's going, going up the hill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was a you know a big part. Uh, a big it was part a growing here, concern too. But interesting point too about group work. Yeah. I think that was. Um, you know, something that was predominant or, or common, I think, to a lot. Yeah, of exactly, uh, exactly. At that time. So I just kind of wanted to contrast that with some, you know, because I think that you know most people, myself included, this information came to me, you know, via social media, via the internet, not through a lecture, not through a book. I got the book after finding out this concept later on. You know, I've seen it, and I, I was curious about it. I've heard people use the term, and I want, you know, I wanted to kind of get to the bottom of it. And so, like I said, we discussed it and decided that we'd do the show. So let us talk about that a bit more. So essentially, this whole idea then of the the twin flame really is what she calls the quest for wholeness, the quest for wholeness. So, it you know, this occurs on two different levels. And, you know, we were going to talk about we wanted to talk about this book, but we also wanted to talk about some other ideas that are sort of analogous to this, in particular, uh, Jung's ideas of the anima and animus that sort of contrasexual part of, of oneself, meaning that in a man, there is a sort of feminine part of oneself that's connected to the soul. And then in a woman, there's a, there's a sort of masculine uh, metaphorical part of oneself that is connected to the soul. Uh, so, and to visualize that, uh, think of the Tai Chi, the yin yang symbol, uh, whether it's sort of like a, a black fish uh, with a big white eye and then a white fish with a big black eye. Um, in this circular spiral um, S, uh, connection that there is part of one in the other and part of the other in, in the Thank other. Thank you. One. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I always think of when I think a of great, the animals. Great image you know, for that. A great image for that. And she actually uses that in this book, which is interesting. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of great uh, images in this book. I, I, you, and again, if you saw them, you would recognize the style because they use the... They, these images are very popular in kind of new age iconography today. Uh, and I, and I, I believe this does go back to that. I, those I am teaching illustrations. So I think they borrowed that style and kind of ported it over to their, to their church. Um, the, the prophets, Elizabeth and, and, and Mark. Uh, so let me read this. Uh, cause this is, this pretty much sums this up in her own words. And I, I did mess up the original, the original body. So this is from page uh, 39. 
She says, each one of us has a twin soul or twin flame who was created with us in the beginning. God created you and your twin flame out of a single white fire body. He separated this white fire ovoid into two spheres of being, one with the masculine polarity and the other with the feminine polarity, but each with the same spiritual origin and unique pattern of identity. Eons ago, you and your twin flame stood before the Father, Mother, God and volunteered to descend into the planes of matter to bring God's love to earth. The original plan was that you would go through a series of incarnations in both masculine and feminine embodiments as each half of the divine whole learned to be the instrument of the Father, Mother, God. So then your, your life, as I'm understanding it, is a search for this, this physical person, but in essence, it's a search for that, that spiritual other, that balance within yourself at the same time. Um, so, and she makes, you know, she does make that point. And I think what's interesting and, you know, Chris and I talked about this uh, prior to the show, it seems that, and I'm not trying to impugn anyone or, or, or accuse anyone of this, but it seems that most people using this term twin flames are really just talking about, I'm looking for my great love in this life and the, the one and they don't emphasize so much the idea of that inner balance, that inner portion of that that you're looking for and the work that needs to go on in order to attract that. And in this book, the difference is that in this book, she's very clear to point out that if you don't do the karmic work and you don't do the spiritual work that you need to do, you either are not going to find this person or you're not going to recognize this person or you're not going to be with this person in in this lifetime so that if you don't do the spiritual work that you need to do you may or may not even find the twin flame in this life so that i found very interesting uh so really what she's saying is do the inner work the meditation the spiritual work even the you know the sort of spiritual activities out in life volunteering helping other people out doing good deeds and things like that she makes that 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 point as well uh, to to kind of burn off the karmic residue so that you can be worthy to meet up with this person. And that leads me into this idea uh, of these three levels of relationship that she points out. This I was completely unaware of, completely unaware of. So there's actually three levels of relationship that she postulates. The karmic relationship, the soulmate relationship, and the twin flame relationship. So most of us, it seems, according to her teachings, are in these karmic relationships. We're kind of working out our past issues in our relationships, and we're kind of stuck in those patterns and dealing with issues from the past so that, like, if we, for example, wrong someone in another life, in this life, maybe we're in a relationship with them and there's a lot of tension and maybe you know, we're taking on more of the responsibilities than they are. And we're trying to make up for something that occurred in some other lifetime or something. That idea is pretty, pretty prevalent with this, uh, this work. And so, you know, this, this, this phase is really where it's most important to understand this inner, this inner twin flame idea. In other words, this part of yourself that's connected to God and connected even to your twin flame that's out there 
that you may not be with, that you need to do the work so that you can facilitate that meeting with that, that twin flame. Does, does that make sense the way I, I, I explained that? I think it does. Well, up until that last part, I guess I, you know, I haven't spent as much time on this part with that, um, where uh, he talks about, we're still on the karmic level, right? This, that's the karmic level, correct. So you're working out, yeah, yeah, we're still on yeah, that. So I that. wanted to elaborate on no, that. No, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, that uh, there's this notion of carrying one another's burden. Uh, and she goes on to say that that's the inner meaning of the ritual of marriage. That we love so much, uh, very much, uh, that we eagerly share and bear the karma of our spouse with our own. So that you know, in sickness and in health, I guess, you know, part of the marriage vow. And this is on this karmic level, not only are you taking on this person, but also taking on their past and their shadow, to use a Jungian term, um, or you know, their karma, you know, that has come that they come into this world with, um, that you're taking that on, because that's, that is this level. Uh, and you need another person to work this out. And this is maybe on a meta level of, of looking at relationship whether they be sacred or karmic or soulmates or whatnot uh, that one of the advantages one of the distinct and maybe unique advantages of being in a relationship with this other uh, beloved is there's no other way to really get to yourself than through a very intimate and close relationship with another person uh, it presents a mirror <laughs> for your projections or reflect back things from you. Uh, it can be very uncomfortable. That's why people get out of relationships because it gets too close. Uh, but it's, it's a really profound way of getting to and through. And if you're in it for the long haul, uh, you will work on your karma. You will get through these things, work through these things, transcend them to where they're no longer a problem because you've, You've taken that on as a project because it's important to keep the relationship uh, going and growing. Uh, a lot of times we get bumped out and we you know, divorce and you know, get on another thing uh, until it gets to that uncomfortable spot. So, again, this is like a, you know, a purpose or one of the a purposes of, of this relationship, this marriage, uh, even on this karmic level, which is very, very important, uh, is that we say, wait a minute, I'm going to work through some of this stuff. Um, because it is only by doing that that I can you know, be yeah. with this person. And if that's your twin flame or not, um, you're, you're at least better prepared for any relationship. You're yeah, in. exactly. And she makes that point not to take these relationships lightly. And that I think is one of the things that's maybe not so emphasized in some of these more popular ideas that are floating around in social media uh, is the fact that, you know, she really is saying to work through as best you can these relationships and, you know, work through the karmic issues and stick with them. I think the tendency, especially when we're young, is to just give up and move on to someone else. It's easier. The problem is, is we end up finding the same exact person in a different body. You know, we end up finding the same issues and the same, you know, when experiencing them in a very similar way. It's just we thought, oh, this one's so much different. You know what I mean? And so, for example, with people who perpetually get involved with abusive relationships, it's like they always think that this one's different at the beginning. 
And that's well, and on the outer level, they could be completely different sure. people with completely different backgrounds, education, financial outlook. Yeah, it looks different, um, doesn't it? But underneath it all, yeah, the, the dynamic, dynamic is, is the same. Uh, the same, and it will be the same until you learn this. This is the value of sticking it out in a relationship: is that you know, you commit not just to the other person and try to change them to be more to your liking, mm-hmm. uh, is really work on yourself. Uh, and not be a doormat and not just be what you think the other person wants you to be or even yeah. tells you they want to be. It's it's really being solid within yourself. And the more true you are to yourself, the more true you will be to another, I guess, to paraphrase Shakespeare. Very true. Yeah, exactly. Great because... point. And I think that, you know, really specifically speaking of, of that type of thing where you, you know, where it is extreme like that, where you do get in, maybe you do get involved with, let's say an abusive partner or something like that. Now, you know, it doesn't mean you stick with an abusive partner and, you know, let yourself get, you know, get hurt and so on to try to learn the lesson. What it means is, you know, learn the lessons from that relationship, get out of that relationship, get the, the, whatever help you need to understand that pattern and break it. And don't get involved with a, another relationship until you understand what's going on within yourself that's attracting that kind of person and that's attracted to that sort of person unconsciously, mm-hmm. right? And so it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to stick with something that's you know hurting you, but it means you need to learn the lesson and then maybe take some time and stay out of relationships before you move on to something else until um, you get some self-knowledge and you know, I think that can be an important lesson sometimes. So that next level uh, beyond that karmic idea uh, is the is the level of the soulmate. Uh, and she says, not all the beautiful and soul-fulfilling loves are those of twin flames. They're also the love of the very close kindred soul called soulmates. So soulmates are those on your same developmental level. She calls it a chakra level. Uh, they're, they're, you know, she's saying you're working on the same type of karma and developing the energies of the same chakra. So those soulmates have an attraction that's sort of based on this sacred labor, sacred love to your own self mastery. Uh, so it's a bit, it's a bit lower in a sense. It's a bit lower than the idea of the twin flame, not lower in the sense that it's less important, but it's sort of less um, idealized in the, in the spiritual realm, I guess. Uh, would be maybe a way to put it. Um, and so then that, that brings us then to, of course, the big the big one, which we've been talking about, which is the twin flame uh, issue. And that twin flame idea, uh, as we said, is is this kind of quest that you're on throughout your lifetimes, as it were. And so it postulates in, you know, the, the, the belief in reincarnation. And you're, you're, you're really trying to find your, your other spiritual half. And again, she she points out that that's a that, that can be in a physical person that you'll actually meet up with that person. But the the idea is that you've done all this work either in this lifetime or in previous lifetimes of the karmic relationships and the soulmate relationships, and now you're ready to finally have an actual marriage relationship with the twin flame. That is really the apotheosis of where this thing is going. That's the the end result that you're looking for. Is, is the marriage. Now, your marriage union may or may not be with a twin flame, but what I'm saying is that the, the, the completion of the circle and the completion of, uh, 
of this cycle I'd call it, or, you know, sort of uh, reincarnating cycle, cyclical nature then ends. It ends when you find your twin flame and marry them and you guys do your, your spiritual work together. When you die, then you ascend to, or then you ascend to heaven. um, And you are then, an ascended master. You become an ascended master. And this really is at the end of the book. She said, the ascension is the culmination of lifetimes of the soul's service to life. In order for the soul to attain this ultimate union with God, she, the soul, must become one with her holy Christ self. She must balance, pay the debt for at least 51% of her karma. So in her view, you don't even need to solve all your karmic issues. You just need that 51% to push you over the edge. And she must fulfill her mission on earth according to her divine plan. When your soul ascends back to God, you will become an ascended master, free from the round of karma and rebirth, and you will receive the crown of everlasting life. The crown of everlasting life. So in some ways, that would be like merging into God, a sort of a samadhi idea. Uh, a oneness with the with the divinity, um, the moksha, moksha the liberation, you know, exactly. So you know, wholeness. Uh, of course, in alchemy, it's the lunus mundus or the philosopher's stone. There you the, go. The elixir of life, the the one thing that it, it's this unity concept that you know we're all one, we're all one with each other, <laughs> we're all one with God and and the whole universe. And we're also one that is complete in and within ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of this, yes, definitely points to an inner. There's uh, the inner. Thing. If I can just talk. Yeah, about, go ahead, please. Yeah. If we can just kind of mention just because we're talking about twins. I'm not a twin, um, you know, known twins over the years. Uh, and some of them are, you know, if there's a freaky twin thing, they get their language going on or their, you know, <laughs> contact. Uh, I'm a brother I'm very close with, and uh, you know, a lot of times we'll think of the same thing and you know, call each other, you know, or something with the same thing in mm-hmm. mind. Uh, a lot of connection. A lot of people have that with with lots of people in their lives. Um, but there have been things about twins that, um, you know, studies maybe ones that got separated from birth. Uh, if they grow up together, they try to be as different as they can from each other because there's two of them there. They look alike, of course. Why wouldn't they? You know, they try to like different things and wear different clothes. Uh, but twins that were separated at birth, somehow they ended up like with the same name, same first mm. name, and they all like the same type of horse, you know, some very weird specific things. And they never met and got reunited as teams or something, you know, yeah, things, yeah. you know, let them lose. Um, so, so just in a physical sense, a human being twin, uh, there's already, this already is a magical connection uh, that's, you know, a little, maybe a little different than other mm-hmm, ones. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this contact, and also, if I may throw out quantum physics, which is really easy to do, anything metaphysical, just say, well, you know, quantum physics, <laughs> I'm going to talk about whatever you want to yeah, talk exactly. about. But from what I understand, this is reading from scientists, uh, Bohr and Heisenberg and things, that there are two, uh, say, related particles, subatomic particles, and uh, if one is spinning one way, uh, it can affect another, like it's non-locale that it's you know a light year apart its counterpart and it will also then copy that same rotation that there's a synchronous thing and it's a causal that as far as science right now can't figure out what the cause is uh but that there is this undeniable connection 
between two distant things without at least us being able to observe a communication uh, between the two uh, to then change rotation direction yeah. or something like that. This is it's in the literature. And uh, so a lot of unknowns, uh, but again, here's this, this connection, uh, even if there is no contact, uh, there may be a very similar twin path going Well, she on. talked about uh, that, just absolutely. Even, and, you know, she yeah. made that point. It's interesting you brought that scientific part of it up because she talks about how, you know, even if you don't meet up with the twin flame in the lifetime, the, the actions that you take, the karma, karma that you accumulate, the experiences that you have have an effect on that twin flame, whether or not you're in the same proximity or even in the same lifetime. They may be in a spiritual world and you may be in this material world but there's still a connection it's kind of interesting when you look at it you know in that quantum physics level it could cut the, the you know symbolic kind of uh you know uh sort of uh, nearness to those two concepts so um that's that's the other thing i wanted to say so so i think um you know a big portion of this work then uh becomes uh, becomes this uh, preparing yourself, really preparing yourself and doing good spiritual work in order to be be ready for this type of relationship. And I think that's kind of, uh, again, one of the things that I've, I've, I haven't noticed as much being talked about. You know, people are trying to find their twin flame. They want to find their other half. Um, I don't, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're not doing it, but I, I know one of the things she is emphasizing and maybe one of the things we're trying to emphasize as well is doing your own work to prepare yourself you know, for that experience, which means working on your own inner life, which means working on, you know, this more, it's a sort of more Jungian approach to things is kind of seeing, trying to see things more clearly, raising your consciousness, understanding that, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sort of opposite part of you within yourself, uh, symbolically speaking, uh, that needs to be addressed and, and needs to be worked with, uh, that is on the soul level. You know, and you need to create some kind of balance with with within yourself. So, um, so that's that's part of this work that she's that she's talking about as well to prepare for this. So it's not all, obviously all about just um, finding that person. It's also about working on yourself and then working with that person uh, when you do find them to make that sort of ascension. So I found that I found that very interesting because honestly, I thought going into this book that it was going to be all about just this. Oh, you find the other person and you're, you know, you become an ascended master. And, you know, so as long as I look really hard in this lifetime and I finally find my twin flame, then there, there it is. I'm done. But it's it's really not that at all, is it? it it's a much more complicated internal and external process, which I, I found very, very interesting. It's actually quite a bit, for lack of a better word, quite a bit deeper than I imagined it was going to be. Did, did you find that as well? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, and I like, you know, that she goes, goes deeper. Now you look at the cover and it just looks like some chick book that, you know, was on Oprah's list or something um, to use a very stereotyped, uh, <laughs> come on, you know, wow. description. Yeah, I like that. There um, you go. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, you it know, doesn't, it's um, not really going to, but you open it up and it's, and it's like, wow, there's, okay, there's more to it. You're right. There's more stuff. to it. I, I did it, made the same interpretation. What I mean is don't let it fool you. Don't mm -hmm. let the title and you know the look of it. Um, and there's, there's that too. There's a whole allegory, this story uh, at the beginning part about a, uh, you know, human mm -hmm. beings in a yeah. relationship and everything, but to really get onto something, you know, she talks about alchemy. Mm -hmm. uh, she talks about, 
uh, the alchemical marriage, which we did a whole show yeah. on the hermetic yeah, exactly. marriage, the marriage of the sun and the moon, silver and gold and alchemy. It's the head and the heart. It's the, you know, the personal and the divine. Uh, it's that marriage, that sacred, sacred marriage. It really is with yourself and, and the all that is. Uh, but a lot of times that comes through uh, this sacred other uh, that she yeah. talks about. And a way that, um, it, and, you know, she moves into this. And I always thought, again, somebody throw this out, that soulmates. I thought soulmate was like the, the top. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. It's like, you know, I'm in a relationship. Oh, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with and all these songs. And, you know, are we going to keep on looking? And, you know, I think, ah, you complete me, you know, my soulmate. Uh, I thought that was that like, was that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But according to uh, uh, Prophet not the here, case, it's, uh, the yeah. twin flame really keeps on going and using this terminology like twin flame. Uh, I think it, once something becomes in the popular consciousness and a lot of people are using it, it can have a tendency to become mm -hmm. generic. So it, you know, hey, soulmate, what's everything? Soulmate, twin flame, you know, it's you know, hey, it's my twin flame. Oh yeah, well she cheated on me. I guess she's not mm -hmm. my twin flame, you know, or something that is, it's, it can be used casually. Well, that, or that's the like danger. That. This yeah. is source material actually that we're getting to. And I'm glad we're, uh, we're really looking at this because honestly, I would have thrown those terms around um, this way or that way. But, um, but as far as this um, twin flame, one of the aspects of it uh, that I think pulls it out of the, the other two levels, the karmic and the soulmate, is that you're really moving towards an ideal, uh, even more so than the person. Yeah. Uh, it's more refined. It's uh, really an essence. And uh, one of the ways I visualize this is if, you know, say if you have a triangle um, and on the base of the triangle, on one side, you have the lover and then you have the beloved on the other side and they're trying to get to each other. But at the pinnacle, at the top, the apex is love. Love as with a capital L <laughs> um, in its highest, uh, most meaningful form. Uh, that if you try directly to get to the other person, well, there's a lot of obstacles, there's a great distance. But if you move towards this central, this third part, both at the same time, moving towards this ideal of love, well, then automatically you it becomes narrow and narrower and the distance becomes shorter between each other as you're moving towards this. So you're kind of doing both at the same time, but it's almost like you're, you're shooting your arrow towards this concept of love in, in the greatest sense, the archetype, the, you know, the mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. that is love, uh, God love, you know, a uh, love, love beyond which there could be no greater. Uh, if you're shooting in that direction or pulling or pulling yourself up towards that or climbing towards that peak, uh, you can't go wrong uh, because your soulmate, your uh, twin flame rather, is also going to be doing that. Uh, and that's where you'll meet because you're on the yeah. same journey. You're reaching the same destination because that's where you came from. You came, fell down the mountain. You just fell down on the other side. <laughs> you yeah. have to climb back up. Uh, well, much like that. you're also much like what you were talking about with that quantum physics idea of the sort of non-local idea of this connection between things. Um, also, in you know, in this lifetime, for example, the you know, your twin flame may be having it may be in prison or something. 
and the work in her contention is the work that you're doing, the good karmic work that you're doing is also helping to elevate your twin flame. Consequently, uh, you know, the bad stuff, the bad karmic uh, things that you're accumulating are also, you know, kind of bringing down the twin flame. So it's a very symbiotic relationship and you're right. So shooting towards that ideal of love, becoming love, being of service, being helpful, you know, not being egotistical in situations in relationships and so on and trying to, you know, seek to understand people um, and, you know, trying to really embody these qualities, these true compassionate qualities that love, uh, you know, that love means and that love engenders, uh, you know, is really, is really the goal. It's shooting towards that, that third point, like you're talking about third, so that, 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 that apex of the triangle. Uh, and that's a, that's a great, that's a great image for that. I really like that. So that's, that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. And I, I think, I guess the reason why I was really interested in the show is really the, at first, this, this idea of the, tw- the twin flame thing is kind of like one of these new agey things that I, you know, I was kind of looking at and just sort of dismissing and I was curious about it, but I kind of didn't you know, like the way that it was being presented and it sounded kind of, kind of hokey to me. But now looking at it and kind of going deeper into it, I see that there's more to it than, you know, the representations that are out there. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. And I think it's a worthwhile book to read, you know, and, 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 con- and again, in contrast, we said a bit, I was going to talk uh, a bit about the Jungian point of view. And, this, and the Jungian point of view of this is, is, is different, obviously. Um, but, you know, they, they have an idea that, you know, what we're doing really when we're, when we're in love with someone, quote unquote, is we're projecting the anima or animus onto that other person. So in other words, like my ideal of what, you know, a a woman is supposed to to be like is projected onto this person. And then I'm not really seeing that real person. I'm seeing only my projection onto them of who I believe they are. And in Jungian work, then you strive to take back that projection, bring the relationship to a human level, and then find that true love. And again, that's that's different than that's kind of different than than her point of view. But in a sense, it's not because you have to do all the same inner work to see the person for who they really are and to recognize who they are and so on. And and but mainly the difference between her work and the work of Jungians is that there's not really a conception that there's another soul walking around out there that you need to find. It's really that you need to find that within yourself and develop that within yourself. And the other person needs to do the same thing. And in doing so, there's a sort of mystical union that's created and hopefully a higher level of love is created. But it's not necessarily the goal. Really, the goal is is seeing that person as a human being and being able to um, being able to relate to them on a spiritual level, but without the blinders of you projecting your ideas onto them. Uh, do you have any more to add to that? Well, I was talking earlier about this mm-hmm. mirror of the other that uh, somebody you're very close with in a relationship, uh, living together, if not. Uh, that it is a mirror. Sometimes it's like a circus mirror. <laughs> It'll reflect back whatever it is you're projecting in kind of a weird way or maybe exaggerated in, in some ways. But uh, but we need to see that. Um, and it's like a soul mirror. You know, you can go in the bathroom and you can look at your, your nose and your eyebrows or whatever, but uh, the other person can 
uh, mirror that back. Uh, I don't know. I, I will, would agree with that. Uh, I also think maybe there's something, um, and maybe this is included, but I wasn't hearing it, uh, something maybe on a deeper level um, that, yes, maybe it is, you know, this projection and it's reflecting back, but there's also some other force going on as well. It's not just coming from me and then coming back uh, that the, it's, you know, no, there, yeah, tangent. no, there's an, there's an, there's definitely, there's... there's more to it than that, you know, and I think I didn't, you know, I, I might've done an in, injustice to you. It doesn't mean that there's no more beyond it. Like I've just take back my projection and I can see clearly because there's an archetypal level to love as well. And that I think is the, is, is, but you have to yeah. be able to see things on a human level before you can even approach that. I think is there, is there, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, this projection, you know, it's kind of an old, old, well, I guess if you've been to a presentation, you've seen a projector. there's a projector and then there's like a screen onto which a thing is projected. Uh, I'm saying like, you have to have mm -hmm. both. It's no mistake that the, that the screen was there to capture the, because if you just send a projector out into space, you're not yeah. going to see anything. Like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a movie projector or a presentation thing. It needs, you know, the wall or the screen. Well, and or, it's a particular, you know, to, it's a particular uh, screen too. It's not like any screen will do. You can yeah. only hook your projections onto certain people. Only certain people will light up for mm -hmm. you and, and allow that projection to, they have to take the projection, but you also have to see it in them. So it's not just like you can pick any random stranger and project a love interest onto them. So there is a mystical kind of mysterious yeah. thing going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, the projector yeah. had to be there. Well, the, the, <laughs> the, the right I mean, screen, the screen did. The right you know, screen. The, 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 yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. The one that would you know receive it and then reflect back and that you exactly. could recognize it. So it's it's a very particular, it's not just, you know, well, this is just my projection. It's, you know, they both need each other for this exactly to happen. And what happens is we get a really close and honest and a lot of times very mm -hmm. unpleasant look at ourselves. <laughs> and, uh, and this is where the opportunity is to grow and say, you know, um, yeah, maybe I'm not being heard. Maybe I'm not being understood. Uh, maybe I don't even feel loved, but you know what? I'm going to try to be even more understanding, more loving, more forgiving, um, and bring that attitude in it. And maybe, uh, you know, that will turn mm -hmm. things around, uh, that you'll become, you, you'll mm -hmm. find more of that or you'll find a way out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I think you can grow together in a relationship through these, maybe even all three of these phases could be with the same person lifetime. If you can work out enough karmic, uh, issues, um, you know, for mm -hmm. the first phase and then you know we work towards self-mastery if both are kind of growing and moving at the same time in the same place and maybe wind up you know exiting together in this uh violet I mean, anything's possible um, I, and i think it's an it, yeah you know I it's mean, an it's, interesting uh, and we may be working on these levels uh, all these levels in in a sure. single lifetime sure it's an interesting um, mythological structure and story and you know interesting symbols mm -hmm uh that deserve uh you know that deserve a chance at least so that's i i would definitely recommend uh i would definitely recommend reading this book i i kind of um underestimated it and you know it's it's quirky and it's got its own things to it and you know the 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 religion is is you know in, in some people's minds is going to look kind of odd 
Uh, but I, 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 there's some interesting, good ideas in here to think about. It's and it's a quick read, and it's and it's worth reading, and kind of putting it into contrast with what you think about, and you know maybe looking some Jungian or mythological ideas or religious ideas that you hold, and kind of putting them in conversation. I think is an interesting exercise. Would Would you agree? It is, and it you know anything can be a, a great tool or resource. Uh, for looking at yeah. yourself that what does that change to me it's, it's almost on the level of like reincarnation uh, so if and I had a you know near death near life you know whatever experience um, where I faced that and um, I felt in the moment I felt well geez you know um, if I stick around long if I survive this ordeal um, maybe I'll be pull myself together a little bit better just in case reincarnation is real and then the next me We'll, I'll pay it forward and they'll be set up a little bit better, uh, like leaving an inheritance or something like that. It's a, you know, a life, life cycle inheritance. Uh, so in a way, this is like it too. If there's a future me that could benefit from me doing a better job with my life and our body or our soul at yeah. this time, I would appreciate that. I would appreciate it if the last guy, um, you know, maybe, maybe did work out some things that I'm not dealing with his problems in this lifetime. Uh, maybe the same thing's happening on this plane right now or other plane uh that it may not be the next life but within this life there's there is this other life this twin and that if it urges me to well geez if you know i don't perform very well it's going to hurt my twin and if my twin doesn't do too well it's you know it's going to drag me down uh why wouldn't i want to work on myself and become better if i knew that someone else was depending on it and i want them to be doing it too yeah they can feed off my energy well then if my twin's working uh, in a positive way, I'll feel that too. It doesn't really have to be real or you have to believe it 100% as being real, but entertaining that notion and looking at you know, your soul, which is a completely mysterious thing, much has been written about it for thousands of years, but <laughs> we're still, still working through it. Um, you know, If it urges you or helps you to look at yourself and improve yourself, uh, it's eminently valuable. Infinite. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great way to put it. Thank you for, for kind of wrapping, wrapping all that up. We were talking about, that's the thing about all this material that we look at, all the spiritual ideas, all the metaphysical concepts, all the esoteric ideas and all the shows. And you can go back and listen to all of them. And I encourage you to do so. We talk about many, many different things and we're not, you know, we're presenting these ideas with, with a, what we think is a pretty open mind. And we urge you to d do the same. You know, have a natural skepticism, a natural critiquing of things, but also go in with somewhat of an open mind and say, well, you know what, even if I don't believe this, is there something I can learn from it? You know, and there's a there's a great thing. I'm, you know, I'm working and I, I think I mentioned this before, but I'm working on hypnotherapy. Um, I actually just just finished my, my program. Um, and one of the I thank you. Congratulations. Thank you, right. um, and so I'm going to be seeing people soon. Uh, one of the tools that can be used is past life regression. And, you know, many people think, well, how is past life regression valuable? You know, what if I don't believe in past lives or what's the difference anyway? The, the real the real value to, you know, thinking about reincarnation or thinking about past life regression or even, you know, doing that work is the material that comes up during that work. It's mythological it's symbolic it's it tells you 
something about yourself and about your soul, regardless of whether or not you think that was actually a life or not. Something comes up. Stories will come up. Images will come up. Uh, lifetimes, pictures of lifetimes will come up and people, you know, will go in skeptical and stuff will come up and they don't know what it means or what it is, but it's something to look at. It's like a, it's like a living dream. You know, you're able to, to process it like a dream. And so there's always valuable information in the images that the unconscious kicks upstairs as it were, whether it's a dream, a fantasy, a vision, uh, a past life experience or what have you. So if you can approach some of this material with that idea in mind, it's like some of it really doesn't matter. You don't really have to believe in it, but just open up the crack of the door and go, well, what if this were possible? What would that mean to me? How would that change my outlook on things? You know, how rigidly do I believe the antithesis to this idea, for example, and why? You know, what evidence do I have that it's not true? What evidence, what evidence do I have that it is true? It's just one of these things like it's a, it's a, it's a tool. It's a philosophical tool, that mindset uh, going in with thinking, okay, I may or may not believe this, you know, literally, but is there something I can learn from it? That's a fantastic way to approach spiritual and religious material and also art and music and anything that requires sort of an experiential or sort of uh, kind of, metaphysical understanding if you really get into it you know it's one of these things like how can i kind of open up crack the door to let in what was intended and usually what is intended in great artwork and great religion and great transformational material is personal transformation soul transformation and that really is the goal so if the material can do that however it gets to you and whether you believe it or not if it if you can allow it to work on you it'll do its job and I think that's something interesting to to kind of take away from this. Uh, so anyway, I highly recommend this Soulmates and Twin Flames. It's 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 worth reading because you know you you see it so much uh, on social media and in these New Age forums and so on. Uh, it's interesting to know kind of where it came from. Do a little research. Check it out. It's a very interesting history. And again, I highly rec recommend going back to Theosophy and reading some of the original materials that a lot of this New Age. Uh, material comes from would you agree like that's a great we should do a show on Blavatsky and Alcock and, and the uh, Theosophical definitely in the late 1800s and yeah um, well you could do many many shows on that a huge, huge subject, subject but uh, uh, but yeah we could do there an hour go. on that for sure give a kind of an we'll overview take a look at that so uh, but for now you know check out Elizabeth Clare Prophet Soulmates and Twin Flames if you want to go a little bit deeper into this concept that you've heard about uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see who popularized it. I can't say that she invented it, this idea for sure, but she certainly popularized it. Her books are the best sellers in this area and they're, you know, they're fairly early. They're in the nineties. And I think they come from earlier material than that, as far as I can tell. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure she is the one who popularized this concept. I hope I wish you the best of luck in finding that twin flame, but on your search there, the big thing is work on your internal self, work on your own karmic stuff, yeah. develop your own spiritual life, um, you know, and attract that thing to you. You know, do, do your work in the relationship you're in. Do your work within yourself. Stick with the stuff that you need to deal with. And then, you know, if you're going to find that person, you're going to find that person. They're going to be attracted to you and, and they will find you. You know, the universe will make sure of it. That's a, And I think that's a, an important thing to have faith in. 
So thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here. We are at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. If you'd like to make a donation, uh, Chris's book is the spirit in the sky. And mine is if you can worry, you can meditate. And both of those can be found on Amazon. Uh, we're here every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. We're also here on Thursday with our M excuse me on Friday with Emmett box Friday. So join us for that. Thank you. Have a great week. Goodbye and God bless.